Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of India Startup Talk. Let me start by asking three questions. I assume you're a tech startup. That's why you're listening to this podcast. I have three questions. First question is, are you chasing every lead or sales lead that comes your way, a sales inquiry that comes your way? The second question is, are you looking to offer as many features as the client wants? Or let's say you've got a client and you know potential client and they ask you, oh, do you have an XYZ feature? And you say, well, we don't have it, but we're happy to build one for you. So that's uh, the second question. The third question is, do you find yourself in these sales pitches? So let's say you got an inquiry, you go and do a nice uh, pitch, sales pitch to this client and the client starts asking a lot of questions. You know, how does this work? How does that work? And you find yourself revealing far too many details, like you're talking about the algorithms and exactly how you implement it. In other words, you are revealing your intellectual property or your competitive advantage. Now, I'm assuming that if you're a typical startup and what I've seen as a mentor, you may be saying yes to all all these three questions, and that's a problem. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Saibal Sen. I'm an angel investor. I happen to be a mentor as well. And uh, also a little known fact, I used to be a management consultant. So this is one of those times I'm going to put that management consulting hat and I'm going to say I'm going to treat this problem as a case study. And I'm going to break it down like management consultants do in a structured way and come up with a solution and make it a nice little case study. So let's get started. So I would take three-step approach to building a strategy. Step number one, you have to find your own white space. And what I mean by that is that gap in functionality or a need for your customer or your industry that others are not yet there, or even if they try to go there, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to do as opposed to if you were to do it. Okay, we'll get into that, uh, each of these steps in more detail later on. So that's step number one. Step number two is to create a customized pitch or a marketing message that is focused on that personal white space for your company. Step number three is you will be getting inbound inquiries and you will be making outbound marketing um, efforts. So how to handle inbound sales and steer them to your white space and how to go about creating a strategy for that outbound sale so you are reaching only those customers that happen to live in that white space. So these are the three steps and I will take you in great detail uh, through each one of them. And uh, as you can imagine, step number one, which is finding the white space is gonna be bulk of the discussion. All right, so in step one, where we are identifying the white space, I'm gonna break it down to 
uh, three more subsections. So if you have a piece of paper and um, some pen or pencil handy, grab that and we're going to write it down because we'll have to come back and refer to this. So in the first step, finding the white space, what you have to do is look at the pain points that works to the startup's advantage, that's you, that is the startup, to your advantage as opposed to the big boys. Now, the big boys is the competition, which are big companies that uh, have a similar product, right? That's the whole theme of this podcast. So, so we just want to set that frame of reference. Okay, so the three areas to focus on looking for a white space is there are some generic gaps that exist from the client's perspective, your client's perspective, vis-a-vis if they were to work with you or the big boys, right? So these guys, and here are the list of things, these guys that you're chasing, your customers that you're chasing specifically, generally tend to have smaller budgets. You know, they don't have like real deep pockets to go chasing the big guys. That's obvious, right? The second part is they may be lacking the domain expertise. A lot of big companies, like I'm talking about the enterprises, right? Your potential customers. The big guys may have the expertise and you'll be surprised. Some big guys, don't be shy to chase them. Big customers, your customers, they might not have an expertise in like like 5G or artificial intelligence. So they are keen to work with startups because you're much more cozier and uh, you can share the expertise, not your IP. So don't get me wrong. So that's the second characteristic. The third characteristic is these customers or clients need flexibility. And flexibility is not doesn't mean that they will ask for more features, but they will ask for things that the big guys are not able to comply with. We'll get more into that. The fourth characteristic of uh, such clients is that they are early adopters. They are um, thinkers and they want to live in the uh, emerging technology space. There are you, you, there are ways you can find out. So that, that's the fourth characteristic. The fifth characteristic is that their IT or MIS teams are small. Okay, so because they're small, they are looking to augment some of the expertise maybe through your organization. So that's another characteristic. That's the fifth one. The sixth one is these people, because of their size or the regulatory environment they're in, they don't necessarily need to be hung up with standards or compliance. Okay, so that's another characteristic to keep in mind when you're chasing your customers. The seventh one is these are people who need a quick turnaround. They don't have much time. They want to move fast and it's difficult for them to play with the big boys because it takes too long to draw up a contract, blah, blah, blah. Their project timelines are much longer. So these are great candidates to chase. And last but not least, these companies sometimes have a need to work in a a stealth mode. Okay, so they have some IP, their competitive secret, not yours, but theirs, the customer's IP that they would rather not share with big companies and they are more comfortable with a smaller company. So these are the eight generic gaps, what I call, from the client perspective. Okay, so now I want to step into the second category of gaps 
that is from the competitor's perspective, the big guys, right? What are the shortcomings of the big guys that you can capitalize on as a startup, right? The first and very obvious one is features, of course. You know, that comes very naturally. That's probably what you think of anyway, right? They have a set of features, you have a set of features, and if your set of features are better, great. So keep that in mind and make a list of those. The second area is the geography. Certain big companies, even though they are big, big guys, they may not be operating in certain countries or certain industries. Try to study that and see where you have a leg up on these guys in terms of a geographical area. The third area is lack of sufficient resources. So they may have the uh, expertise, but they may not have the extra pair of hands or brains or, or the resources to dedicate to certain projects. Okay, so that's what I mean by a lack of sufficient resources. Now, there's another category of resources which I've noticed um, in my past projects that they sometimes lack resources on the ground, meaning like they say they cover a certain geography, but they're underrepresented because their partners are weak in that region for delivery or they themselves don't have the logistics or the licenses to uh, to work in those geographies. So find out where those gaps are, all right? In terms, so, so that was the fourth one in the uh, competitive perspective gaps. The fifth one is channel restrictions. So what I mean by that, these big guys have channel partnerships and they may have set up certain agreements with their channels that are working against them means non-compete clause, for example, could be one of the restrictive factors. So they can do certain things and they cannot do certain other things. So those non-compete clauses is, is something that you need to watch out and see if there is a gap and you might find that you can easily get in there and compete with the big guys based on that. The sixth one is compliance issues. So certain big companies are reluctant to go into certain countries because of the compliance complications. So if that's the case, then another one in your bag to work with. And the last one, which is the eighth one, release uh, restrictions. So what I mean by release restrictions is there may be certain in incompatibilities. For example, a big company is selling some products already and their claim to fame is that the product that you are competing with has to be compatible with that, right? It could be a complementary software or it could be certain platforms. So this company's product based on the customer you're chasing cannot sell into that space because even though technically they can, but when they try to implement it, there are some incompatibility issues and they will not chase that client, right? So hope you understand that. So these are the ones that are, now I've covered the, the gaps, the white space potential parameters from the client, your client's perspective, and then I covered a set from your competitor, the big guy's perspective. The third interesting area of gaps is what you can put together 
based on your unique situation. Now, this is a little hard to explain. So the best way I can explain to you is give you some examples that I've seen in the field, right? So for example, I came across one company that has a full stack private 5G solution, all right? But they also happen to have a lot of expertise in application development. So what this company can do over a 5G, private 5G competitor is to offer to the client that I can develop your edge applications as well as your 5G infrastructure rollout. Now, that's a kind of a unique combination. So if you're not familiar with 5G, basically just take it as some kind of a network and an application that runs on the network. So instead of going to the client, going to two separate companies, which causes complications in terms of integration, you're just going to this one startup who has expertise in both and is a single stop shop. So this becomes like a unique uh, leg up for this particular startup, right? Another example I can give you is uh, a systems integration situation where let's say there is an SD-WAN startup that also happens to have a lot of expertise in security, right? And there is a customer potential customer that the big guys can't touch yet because this customer's need is that they have already invested in a whole bunch of security products that they want to use and roll out SD-WAN, which is a wide area networking technology, the new age, uh, I mean, a new technology. Now, this particular startup say, hey, we are familiar with the security products that you have and and you know what, we have an SD-WAN solution, we can take care of you and put the whole package and come up with a solution for you. Now this is obviously better than this company, this client going to a big guy and saying, oh, I wanna buy SD-WAN, but you are on your own to integrate your security products. So that's clearly an advantage for you over there, all right? The, um, Last point I want to make, so these are the two examples I gave you. To come up with ideas like what I did, the two, what you should do is constantly refer back to the, a, the, the set of gaps from the client's perspective and the set of gaps from the competitor's perspective we talked about before this section, right? And you can quickly find out unique situations just like the two examples I just gave you and figure out a few like uh, use cases that will create your own sales strategy or your white space. Right, so now that I've explained step one on how to find your white space and your specific use cases, let's get into step two where this is all about positioning yourself with that white space and the relevant case studies that you have Oh, sorry, not case studies, the use cases, so, which is, so step two is all about preparing your marketing message. So in preparing your marketing message, there are two steps. The first step is explain exactly what you're offering. Okay, that's one. Explain some example use cases that you have, you know, generify it to illustrate the ideas for potential projects and make it sound convincing by giving references and being able to be specific about exactly what you're going to do. Now, most important, and this is, this is really got to listen carefully here, 
that explain exactly why you are suitable for that specific client. This is missing, right? It's obvious to you because you've done the analysis, but the client doesn't know what you're thinking, right? So you have to explain that I am proposing the solution to you because, of course, you have to do it in a professional way, because A, you may be lacking resources, B, you may be requiring an integration with your security products, which you have, others won't be able to do it, but we'll be able to do it. So you see, we are now referring back to these earlier gaps in the client's perspective and the competitor's perspective and explaining in a professional manner, because I, I keep using the word professional because you can't knock the competition or you cannot insult your client, right? But you can say it in a nice way that I am proposing this because there are some gaps in your, Mr. Client, your own company situation, right? And these solutions that I'm proposing to you actually addresses those gaps. And I am better than the competition because I'm giving you this and others can't give you that. So that's my point about explaining in your marketing pitch why you're suitable to the client, specifically to their pain points and why you are better than the competition because you are doing certain things the competition cannot do. Unless you highlight these, your marketing message is weak. All right? So that's all about part two. So part three or step three in our three-step approach is using this um, sales strategy or this uh, this marketing pitch and put it into action for outbound as well as inbound sales inquiries that you're getting, right? So from the previous step, obviously you're gonna prepare a, a pitch deck with all the things that I mentioned. You're going to create an outbound mailing campaign. You're gonna use LinkedIn, social media and post articles, create your white papers. But remember, in all those collaterals that you create has to have the things that I mentioned to you in step two, right? About specifically why it's suitable for your client and specifically why you're better than the competition, right? You have specific points to talk about. So some of the recommendations I will make in step three for your outbound marketing, I would say hire some interns, you know, like because what I gave you in step two is so specific that you don't need a highly skilled person to find those leads. You've given them very, very specific characteristic to research your client list. So use an intern or somebody uh, or outsource it to you know, some company and ask them to create these leads and then build that lead list and start to do a focused marketing approach, use Marketo, Partner Stack, you know, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, whatever you, you, you feel, you then focus on that. Put some dedicated resources on it. Even It will be even better, okay? Third idea is go to your investors and ask them to help out. You know, like most of the investors are senior folks with a lot of huge networks. And you're making it easy for them, right? You're saying, hey, this is an XYZ account I'm chasing. I know they're a great fit. Would you be you know, so kind as to make me an introduction? Ask me, you know, like I have a lot of my mentor companies are welcome to come to me and say, can you make an introduction or can you even make a, 
a cold call, reach out to them. It's most likely they'll respond to me than somebody else uh, for whatever reason. I mean, obviously, they'll see a huge network and they might, you know, chances are higher. So don't hesitate. Don't feel shy. Um, the last thing uh, I would say is I talked about this is all outbound, right? So the inbound part. The inbound part, remember when the three questions I asked you right at the beginning of this podcast, like, are you all over the place chasing every lead? Well, that'll still happen, right? People will reach out to you spontaneously. That's okay. But the trick is to steer them towards your white space. You'll be surprised. I mean, they maybe they didn't even think about it. So this is your chance. Don't let an opportunity like somebody knocking on your door and, and turn them away. Explore. See if this candidate is, you know, living in the space that you want to operate on, your white space. And if they don't, then then walk away. As simple as that. So these are my, my uh, three-step approach. This is my attempt at solving this case study. Hope you enjoyed it. So uh, just to quickly summarize, don't chase every sales inquiry that comes your way. Uh, don't try to offer every feature and don't give out too much of your IP. So to get around this problem, we talked about creating a specific white space for you and the steps involved in that white space is you create, you look at the gaps from the client perspective, the competitor's perspective, and then you create certain specific use cases that live in that white space and then you create a customized marketing message focused on that white space. And the last step is, you know, how to deal with inbound and outbound to converge on that white space and sell with confidence. So that's it for this episode. Hope it was useful. If you have any questions or uh, ideas, just reach out to me on ssen at zenesisconsulting.com. And this is Saibal Sen. Wishing you all the best with your sales and hope you're successful until next time. Thank you.